Hey everyone, co-host Doug here, and I promise to keep this super short. Back in January, we switched the way that iTunes was gathering the information, gathering the episodes for the Nomad Athlete Radio feed. And, well, unfortunately, that kind of screwed things up for a lot of you. People who were subscribed to the podcast were not receiving new updated episodes. So we're going to try to fix that, and next week we're going to be resubmitting the podcast feed It shouldn't have any effect on you if you are still getting updated episodes, and we hope it will fix the problem for the people who have been sitting around twiddling their thumbs since January waiting for a new episode. But we also know that it could cause the issue all over again. So if over the next few weeks you notice that you haven't received any new episodes, go ahead and unsubscribe to the podcast, then resubscribe, and it will fix the issue. Again, we're really sorry about this, and we are trying to make sure that it works out for everybody. All right, thanks for listening, and let's get to the episode. One, two, three. Hi, this is Hope. This is Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Me Radio. Hey, y'all. Welcome to a new episode of No Meat Athlete Radio. This is Matt Frazier, joined by Doug Hay, recent North Carolina resident. Doug, have you started saying <laughs> y'all yet? you've been here oh, i've said y'all my whole life have you well i was born in north carolina okay born and raised a southern boy <laughs> there you go <laughs> that'd be enough of that <laughs> i never said y'all until i moved here and then i then i accidentally said it like twice you know next week is my one year anniversary in north carolina oh yeah yeah that's cool i know you gotta change your blog name from rock creek runner to black <laughs> mountain runner or something apparently people people think i need to do that <laughs> no nah, i think it's a good name as yeah. you said, you still have rocks and creeks and all that. That's right. And trail running. That's right. Cool. All right. So we've got a good episode homage, today. Homage to my roots. What? And it's an homage to my roots. <laughs> good. <laughs> Sorry. Good guy. All right. So uh, this this is an interesting episode. A little bit of a shift today because, as you said, Doug, uh, this episode is based on facts, which, <laughs> which is not what we typically do here. Not facts we make up, but actual facts. Right, actual facts. At least facts that are according to uh, Dan Bittner, author of The Blue Zones. And we're going to talk about this. It's a book that I read recently. It's not a new book. I think it's been out for three years or so. And uh, if you're interested, the guy's name is Dan. I think it's Bittner, B-U-E-T-T-N-E-R. And he's also the author of Thrive, which I, I would have thought was Brendan Brazier. But apparently this guy also wrote Thrive. Uh, so it's called Nine Lessons for Living Longer from the people who've lived the longest. And we don't talk about books too much. As big a reader as I am, and I think you're a reading guy too, Doug, but we don't mention Doug's that we, I mean, Doug's. <laughs> we don't mention books that much. Uh, I don't know why. Maybe just maybe people think books are boring, but this one I really enjoy reading. It, it's uh, it's not what I typically read. It, I don't read all that much stuff about, about health. Um, I guess I do, but yeah, I would say that you do. <laughs> okay, maybe I do. I read a lot of other stuff too, but um, I I really enjoyed reading this one. It was uh, it was inspiring. It's basically about they go around to five different places in the world where people uh, live to be a hundred years old at at a rate that is more than typical. So that one of the stats in the book was that one in five thousand people in the United States is a hundred years old. And some of these areas that they're studying, I think it was in Sardinia in uh, Italy that this specific one was. But in a village of 2,500 people, they had, I think, 14 centenarians? No, seven of them, I think. So when you double that to 5,000, you would get a rate of, of being 100 at, at 14 times what it is in the U.S. Wow. So 
it was sort of it's interesting. What what, what was kind of made the book good and readable was that it wasn't super scientific. They didn't get bogged down in in lots of studies and in, in any Facts. sort of yeah. <laughs> well, actually, in a way, yes. Like <laughs> it, it, they didn't. Uh, there's a lot of just sort of anecdotal stuff. Like they would look at these five areas and they would say, "Well, here's what these people do." It wasn't necessarily like let's do a scientific study and try to separate that from you know, the cause and, and correlation. Let's not try to distinguish. It was just sort of like, what do people in this area do and what helps them live? And then I guess what does become sort of scientific is if you take all that and then you look at what's, what's common among those five areas and you have some stuff that's a little bit more likely to actually mean something, but there is actual science sprinkled into it. And I, I, they went there with a team and some of the people there were doing actual science. So, uh, anyway, I just thought we'd get into some of what came out of that, um, which some of it will be useful. I mean, you can you can actually use some of this and and see that some of this stuff really does appear to help you live longer. Uh, others probably not, but it's interesting. And uh, I just thought we'd get into it. It kind of made me just really feel good about living healthily, yeah. and kind of just made me. I don't know. A lot of times when you think about living healthily, you think about like deprivation and willpower and not not having a good life. But it just seemed like all the people here were so happy, and this it was very peaceful uh images when you just thought of these people living this way so i thought we'd get into some of that i know you haven't read the book doug but you've uh you've done a little bit of research on it as well so mm-hmm. so uh, just before we actually get into the nine things mm-hmm. how many of them would you say that you follow so i don't i mean i know at the end of the book there is like a, a nine habits you yourself can use but throughout the book they didn't really focus on the nine things so i don't know what the oh, nine are. i mean oh, okay. I, I read the last chapter uh, but I I would say eighty percent of like what these people did in general I was like uh-huh. hey we did that that's pretty good okay and there was another twenty that was like hey we could probably add that and and live a little bit longer cool and by the way the reason for wanting to live longer aside from being alive longer is for me is that I think you can live forever pretty soon I think we're not far from that <laughs> like <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> laugh if you will we're gonna get so many negative ratings I'm sure we will but that that's, I'm okay with that. So Ray Kurzweil, who is the head of something at Google now, he's he's been a futurist for a long time. Has a book called The Singularity Is Near. There's a documentary about him, uh, and he's been he's been very very accurate about a lot of his predictions. And his whole thing is based on the idea that that technology is incre- improving or increasing at an exponential rate, right? So it, right. I think there, there's a Moore's law. I think that that says the something doubles every two years. This this amount or the the cost of uh, getting the same amount of information on a computer chip basically goes down by by a factor of two every single yeah i don't know some amount of time but it's it's a few years doubling and if you're not mathematically minded at all the simple example of exponential stuff is if you gave someone a penny on day one two pennies on day two three or four pennies on you know so on eight sixteen keep doubling the amount of pennies you're giving someone by the end of a month you've given them something like $10 million, some ridiculous amount. It just explodes because it starts off really small. It appears that there's no real significant change happening. And then suddenly around day, I don't know, 20, 25 of the month, the figures just suddenly become astronomical. Right. So Ray Kurzweil's stuff is based on this idea that um, we're not that far from what's called the singularity, which is where the technology curve basically goes vertical, that, that, and you can see, I mean, the rate of technology clearly in the past, even five years, the stuff that's happened was unthinkable 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. So it kind of makes sense that what's un- 
20 years from now, the stuff's going to be even more unthinkable than it was then. So anyway. So what does that have to do with us living longer? Just me- medical? That when we hit the singularity, which is the point where it goes vertical, machines drastically exceed suddenly the capability of humans. Uh, yeah, what it can do, you know, the size of, of computers, things that can be in your body, monitoring, scrubbing, mm. you know. And also the research we can do, like find sea turtles that live to be 900 and the ability to look at their DNA or whatever else and say, here's what's going on with them and how can we hack the human body. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, he, Ray puts the singularity at, I think, the roughly 2050 is the year he thinks it's going to happen, which isn't, isn't the year that we start living as long as we possibly can or, or want to or forever. Uh, but it seems that shortly thereafter, we, we would realize these major medical breakthroughs. So anyway... My goal is to live to, to that point, <laughs> because then, then if you get get to be there, you'll you'll probably be the oldest guy on the planet, I guess. But if if you barely make it across the line when we start living forever, yeah, then you get to live forever. I don't want to do that. You don't? No. Well, you don't have to. You could you could do it. You can. There are probably methods, sane and legal methods, or, or not sane, but but legal and accepted accepted methods for for yeah, offing yourself. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I don't want to do that either, but but you'd be like the oldest guy, and like you'd, you'd have more wisdom than anybody else. Yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah, that sounds pretty good. I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, I I mean, I I think this sounds crazy, but there there is an increasing number of people that are. And, and like reputable scientists, people who are who are good, uh, who you know who are, are putting resources into this. Peter Diamandis or Diamandis uh, is one of them. He's a really well known guy. Wrote a book called Abundance, also a book called Bold that I'm reading right now. He and Ray Cronice, not Ray Kurzweil, but Ray, who's been on our podcast a couple times, they co-founded Zero G, the company that uh, did the parabolic space flight that would simulate zero gravity. Mm-hmm. He uh, Peter has has now has some other longevity project he's doing and he so i heard him on the tim ferris podcast a while ago and it was a really interesting episode but he talked there about two, and this is kind of what sparked my interest and got me to read the blue zones he said flossing is one thing that's been linked to longevity which is just kind of a weird and it's not really sure why but it's one of those things where it's definitely they've separated it's not a correlation issue it's not just the people who are healthy tend to floss and therefore they they happen to live longer because they're healthy people. Right, that's what I would have guessed. But it was a causation thing that somehow the the act of flossing has has the significant statistical cause of living longer. So that was one of them. He also mentioned VO2 max, which is somewhat interesting for people listening to this podcast. Mm-hmm. That people who had a higher VO2 max uh, also statistically significantly live longer. So well, that that makes sense. Yeah, right. That you just be healthier. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, he he has all these exercises he does um, to increase his VO two max. To, yeah, and I don't know what they are because I haven't enrolled in his longevity university or whatever. I think it's called Singularity University that he founded. Um. Anyway, I think that stuff is fascinating. I like that stuff a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Just the whole because even if you don't live forever, I think let's you know try to live as long as you can. Not a, not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, and. Uh... I mean, for me, anyway, it's it's not really the number of years I live, but I want the those years to be as mm-hmm. productive and, and healthy as possible, so that that makes sense. You know, I don't I don't want to be bedridden for twenty five years. You know, just kept alive, right? But you do, because then if you get if once we start living then forever, I, then, then I can, can fix you, reverse it back. Yeah, and... exactly. Okay, all right. Well, maybe I got to change. So you my... need to change that. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, blue zone. So this is this is a step back now from all that crazy futurist stuff 
but just basically how how are people living to be a hundred? Um, let's not go through each zone. I, I was thinking we'd do that, but I don't want it to be too long. Uh, there's a lot of similar stuff. So the, the reasons just for those who are interested, and I'll probably botch the pronunciations of some of these, are Sardinia, which is in Italy, Okinawa, which is an island in Japan, well known from World War II, uh, Loma Linda in the U.S., which is where the Adventist health studies happen outside of uh, Los Angeles, Costa Rica, this place called, I think it's Nisoya, N-I-C-O-Y-A, and Ikaria, I-K-A-R-I-A in Greece. So those are the five blue zones. Um, really interestingly, or not probably not come as a surprise to a lot of people listening here, is that all of these places ate diets that were very close to what you would call plant-based diets. Uh, the only one that, that had people or a lot of people being completely vegan or completely vegetarian was Loma Linda, where it's, they're in California and, uh, you know, they're like that anyway. Californians just tend to do that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Now, but the real reason is that they, uh, have a religion there. They're Advent- Seventh-day Adventists and their religion requires all these healthy habits. And while some of them aren't vegetarian, a lot of them are. And I think that's, that's part of it. Their religion specifies what they should eat. And I think what it mostly specifies is plants and fruits and vegetables and nuts and things like that. Um, so almost all of them are largely plant-based. Some of them, or most of them, eat meat, uh, often pork, it seems. Hmm. Uh, but it's only like once a month or once a week in very small amounts, which I think is I think that makes sense as a very healthy diet, um, aside from any sort of ethical issues. Right. It, it seems to me that if that's, maybe, if that's the way that we kind of evolved to live, then that, that kind of partly explains the B12 criticism that, that you get. People raise the sure. issue. They say, well, how can a vegan diet be the natural one? If uh, if B12, if you're deficient in B12, one answer to that, of course, is that that people say the soil used to be way produce we would eat would have soil on it wouldn't be as clean, and that soil was was higher quality hadn't been farmed for years and years in in an unsustainable way, so that you could actually get it through produce. But I've always thought if you know if if we were eating meat once a month or once a week as some sort of ceremonial thing then maybe that was where we got our B12, and that was enough, and that was all we needed. So anyway, um, every one of these eats eats beans. That was something that was significant. And every one of them also eats nuts, I believe. I didn't see that in the book, but uh, Dr. Garth Davis, who was at Health Fest, mentioned Blue Zones a little bit and said that nuts were in every single one of them. Uh, nuts. Well, I mean, that kind of goes against some of the other popular things that we've talked about here, right? The high-fat... Yeah, so nuts are really weird among fatty foods in that there have been some studies, and and Garth Davis mentioned this as well, that that show people eating the exact same amount of calories. One of those groups, though, is eating a huge amount of those calories from nuts, and they're living much longer. Hmm. So, yes, they're high fat. Uh, It seems, though, that that they're linked to prevention of heart disease rather than causing it as other fatty foods do. And nuts, Dr. Furman's big on nuts. The Adventist Health Study demonstrated that people eating like the vegans eating nuts lived something i don't know one or two years longer than the vegans who did not eat nuts uh who lived longer than the vegetarians who lived longer than the omnivores in in the adventist health study which are one there are two of them there's one a while ago and then one more recently called adventist one and two mm-hmm. and they're sort of landmark studies that that demonstrate the power of a plant-based diet um so let's see what else is there here that is interesting. Alcohol, almost all of them drank alcohol. The Loma Linda people, 
were one exception where they they really uh, abstain from just about anything like that. But wine, red wine, right? Red wine was in some of them. Like not at Okinawa, for example, they would drink sake. Oh, okay. Uh, Sardinia, they would they would drink red wine, but it's this special kind called Cannonau or something, where it seems to have even more of the flavonoids, and it's very different from the red wine we drink. Does sake have the flavonoids? In... I don't really know. I have no idea. But but it could be that with alcohol, that it's not so much what it does to you, but but how it causes you to act. Because one of the other things that was really strongly linked to longevity was. First of all, slowing down. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, the Sabbath that these Loma Linda people had, the naps that people uh, somewhere else had all the time. I think it was the Greek people. Yeah, they took <laughs> naps. Um, those Greeks, they always taking naps. <laughs> but uh, that, that having a glass of wine causes you to slow down for an hour or two hours a night if, if you do that. Plus, talk to family and friends. If you're sitting around a table drinking wine with friends, that turned out to be something else. Not not the wine drinking part of it, but just having a having a strong social network, friends, family, very very strongly linked to longevity. So if you're drinking wine, if you're having a happy hour every night, or you're an hour or two, you're slowing down with family friends. That could likely be the thing that does it. But but maybe my Red Bull vodkas and, and Jaeger bombs are not the not well. Gonna work out they might me. get you some of the, if you're doing like a happy hour sitting around with your friends slowly drinking those then. Maybe you'll get that part of it. I, I have a feeling that you'll have some uh, some negative correlations there too, unfortunately. <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> also, um, it turned out that the healthful effects of wine, it seemed, according to this, uh, were doubled when you when you drank that wine with a plant based meal. They said, which I I thought was interesting. Which doubled with a plant based meal. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So I guess the lesson there would be: don't just drink wine by itself, but but do it with food. Because a lot of people drink red wine with with like steak, right? They think of uh, not people who are listening to this podcast, probably, but right, yeah, steak and red wine. Yeah, it goes really well together. And, and that white wine is more for the lighter foods. Uh, yeah, but the health effects or the health benefits of yep. the red wine are doubled. Interesting. Exactly. Um, yeah, and you know, it's funny. I saw. I've been. I like studies about alcohol. I don't know why, because they're they're always interesting to me. But I saw one recently that that said showed that people who drink one glass of beer or wine a day, or just a, one drink a day, live way longer than people who who drink zero a day. So that I mean, that, and that's not new. People people have known that for a while. People who live who drank two glasses a day, two drinks a day, did not live as long as people who drank one. One was the sweet spot. One was the best. But they still live longer than people who drank zero. Hmm. All the way up to six, I believe. Definitely five, maybe even six drinks a day made you live longer than drinking zero drinks a day. Interesting. Yeah, and I think this is, you know, they're, they're including everything here. So they're not separating out lots of stuff. They're, they're just looking at how long you live versus how many drinks you have a day. Right. So this includes everyone who, who gets drunk and does something stupid and dies in a car accident or whatever else. I mean, all that stuff's in there. And it just seems that that if you drink more, you you die later. All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there you go. My this is kind of a funny story. It's totally off topic, um, or away from the blue zones. But my grandmother, who's ninety, about to turn ninety four, um, didn't start drinking alcohol. Had never had a drink, a drop of alcohol until she was in her sixties, and then. Um, my grandfather had some heart issues and the doctor said that you should drink a glass of red wine every night. And so immediately they 
just started drinking red wine every night uh-huh. and, they, and, uh-huh. and and he has since died but but she's you know kicking at 94 and and still walking around and doing pretty well wow there so you go maybe it was the alcohol maybe. she still drinks a glass of, of red wine every night nice she keeps it up maybe she'll uh live to 2050 singularity maybe. and then and you'll then... have it you'll have a grandmother even when you're a billion years old <laughs> Uh, no, but seriously, we should. I'm, I should actually, on a serious note, point out that drinking is not good. Like drinking six drinks a day, I, I don't think is a good thing. Even no matter how interesting these studies are, uh, I think I think drinking more than two drinks a day is probably too much. Well, I think the the negative effects, not just um, on your body from the alcohol, but on your, um, you know, on on the rest of your life, right, From drinking right. six drinks a day, so you might still live long, but have a terrible life because right. you've you've ruined all your relationships with your friends and lost your jobs and killed someone else in a car accident right. who knows so exactly. don't don't do that we're not actually advising that we i don't think drinking six drinks a day is funny um so i don't want anyone to think that but interesting study uh so what else with blue zones there was more i mean it was just interesting stuff dairy was not uh was did not seem to prevent these people from living long that was actually like in sardinia it was thought to be one of the reasons goat's milk and came up again goat's milk somewhere else hmm. uh they thought that I don't know. I don't know what they said it contained, but it seemed to be a habit of long-lived people. Uh, what else? Exercise, of course. I mean, it, it was exercise, but a lot of it was exercise not like I'm going to train for a marathon, but just I, I'm 100 years old and I still tend my garden every day because we're poor and that's what we do and that's how we get food. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the people lived in the mountains, I think particularly in Icaria, the Greek place. Uh, they, the ones who lived longest were the people who lived in the mountainous region there. And for them to walk five miles a day, and it seemed that five miles was what a lot of these people walked per day uh, everywhere. But for them to do it in a really hilly environment, like that was plenty of exercise, way more than most people are getting. Right. Uh, so it wasn't that anyone here was, was super into fitness. The Loma mm. Linda people, I guess they kind of made time to exercise, it seemed more. But uh, a lot of this was just, you know, just not, not sitting, but walking around all the time, not being sedentary. Uh, yeah. In Okinawa, they have very little furniture in their homes, so like they don't even have a place to sit comfortably. If they sit, it's on the floor, mm-hmm. and I think that was typically at mealtime, but otherwise it's either lying down or, or standing up. Yeah, yeah. The, the article I was reading about this, this book was calling it Move Naturally. So yep. uh, it's not going out and exercising necessarily, but like you said, um, moving naturally throughout the day and staying active throughout the day. Right. Um, so that's exercise. Um, there, I mean, there were more, another one that's kind of unexpected, not unexpected, but just not related to food or, or physical activity was purpose. Having a sense of purpose Mm -hmm. in your life, having a reason to get up even when you're a hundred years old. Uh, and that of course related to family and being the patriarch or matriarch of the family that was often felt as their purpose or people who felt that they had a role in their village, that they, that they, people looked to them for advice and it turns out in these cultures, there was a lot of respect for elders, and that helps too. That helps elderly people feel like they, they do matter. Yeah. And then how about how about family priority community? Was that? Yeah. I'm super strong. Yeah. And I think that, I think that was considered separate from friends, having the strong social network, mm-hmm. but just, yeah, having family around you. A lot of these people seemed to live with their children who, they were like 100-year-old people who lived with their 80-year-old children, wow. which is weird. Yeah. That's but, insane. Uh, yeah. And that's. That's what they did, but yeah, very strong sense of family. Uh, sun exposure, it seemed, in several of these was was a, a common factor. Hmm. I don't know how much they've actually separated that uh, and looked at. I mean, I don't know. I don't. They didn't really mention skin cancer and things like that in this. So, 
but I mean, obviously, not getting any sun exposure is is very bad too, right? Because you got vitamin D issues and all that. So let's see, what else do we have here that's interesting? Um, a lot of a lot of herbal teas, ginger, turmeric in gardens. Uh, that's not the teas, but the the Greek one grew a bunch of teas, oregano, rosemary, I think dandelion root teas they would have throughout the day. And a big point of the book was that none of these things is like the the shot in the arm that you need to live to be a hundred. It was like this is paints a picture of this complete lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So the tea, you know, it, it's not required that you have these herbal teas to be healthy. It's just one more thing you can do. And most of the places didn't probably have herbal teas, but but it was noticed in one of them that it was a pretty significant part of their life. How much was happiness in like how much of it was it was a, a healthy lifestyle or healthy food and active lifestyle and how much of it was kind of the happiness and i don't they didn't really separate that out that's something you could separate out scientifically i think like you Mm. know they they can apply percentages to things like that just by looking at different groups of people uh but i did not read that sort of thing low stress was certainly one of them slow down was was one of the rules in the end they said to do was one of the common things was if you can just manage to slow down your life this busy hectic pace of life that Unfortunately, we live in most of the Western world right. uh, is not a not a very strong thing for longevity. Uh, other couple things. Let's see about food. Interesting foods in Okinawa. They had sweet potatoes were a big thing there. Hmm. Uh, huge part of the diet. Beans, as I mentioned, were in almost everybody's uh, bread. Sardinia, like they they're really big on breads. So that was a huge thing. And Okinawa, really big on soy. So these foods that we we sort of demonize turns out that that they're not only part of long lifestyles but thought that perhaps they are the causes particularly soy they mentioned in this book several times that uh it was it was thought to be really helpful interesting yeah so the paleo diet diet paleo diet i mean i don't i think many paleo dieters would admit that that is not linked to longevity at all it's certainly linked and i I won't argue that that is linked to short-term weight loss loss, and and moving towards a, a healthier diet than the processed typical standard american diet uh but aside from the the theoretical reasoning that paleo diet and and the diet that has survived through the ages doesn't really isn't impacted by how long we live or Mm -hmm. or doesn't i don't know if i'm quite saying that right but basically if you're talking about an evolutionary argument like that like what have we evolved to eat then basically that only goes up until you reproduce and once you've done that you could just die at age at age 25 after you have kids and and that that may be the the best short term diet for for reproductive virility or whatever, right. but but that diet doesn't have to be the same as the one that helps you live the longest. Sure. So yeah, it appears that 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 is not the diet paleo that helps you to live the longest. Um, How about did did they talk about uh, serving size and and? There was some stuff about serving size uh, in Okinawa. They have this principle in in all of Japan, I believe, called hara hachibu. That means basically eat until you're eighty percent full. And that's not, not a new thing from the Blue Zones. Michael Pollan has talked about it, probably mm-hmm. known way before that too. Uh, so eating to your 80% full, but there are ways that you can get there. And I think the French paradox, which was not mentioned at all in this book, but that there was a whole book about that, wondering why do French people eat such rich and fatty foods, including many animal products? Why do they do that and still not have the weight problems that you see in other parts of the Western world? Uh, and it seems that the, the solution to that so-called paradox was that they eat tiny portion sizes. So again, low. I mean, restricted calories, and that was another one. Just general caloric restriction, general low calorie diets. Uh, that's one of very, very few things that that has been clearly, without a doubt, linked to longevity when it comes to diet. 
So just eating less calories, which which a lot of times makes me question, is it good to be super involved in sports? Like to be training at a, at a rate that requires you to eat 4,000 calories a day, would you be healthier just, just running 20, 30 minutes a day and eating a normal 2,000 calorie a day diet? You know, and I tend to think yes, because it seems that yeah. when you're burning through calories, you're you're using up your body's life processes basically. And, and if you can, people talk about increasing your metabolism. If that's a good thing, uh, well, many people actually think that's not a good thing. Like your metabolism may be your your clock that determines how how long you have to go. Hmm. And if you can slow it down by taking in fewer calories, you kind of slow the aging process. You slow all this stuff that makes you die. Hmm. So, Doug, you need to stop with these ultras. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I would definitely not argue that. I mean, really, any endurance sport is necessarily good for you. It yeah. can't be that good to I, put I your body through that strain. And I think stress. I think a marathon is great if it sets you down a path of wellness. And right. I have no doubt that with all the running I've done that I'm healthier than I would be if I had never gotten involved in running. Um, sure. I, I don't think being a crazy ultra runner who runs a 100-miler every month is a good idea at yeah. all. But For longevity. For, I mean, for, for fulfillment or whatever. Yeah, if it makes you maybe happy. It is. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. There was one more or two more things I wanted to mention here. Uh, I don't remember what they were. Oh, one more thing. Yeah, you mentioned portion size. So in the end, there was a mention of a book by a guy named Brian Wansink, and it's called Mindless Eating. And I'm really interested to read this book because it, it just goes into all these reasons why we – kind of eat on this autopilot mode and why we basically ignore what our body tells us. So one of my favorite things that Michael Pollan said a long time ago was that in the Western world, especially in the United States, we tend not to eat until we're full. We actually link when to stop eating to something like when is the TV show over? Like Mm. if you're sitting in front of a TV, a lot of people will eat until that show's over and then they'll stop eating. Interesting. Uh, Similarly and more commonly known is that you, if you have a larger plate, you'll, and you fill it, you'll, you'll fill it up and you'll eat more, until it's, um, until it's gone. Yeah. And what this guy also determined was something that, like, you could eat, assuming that there's some optimal level of eating or, or level of being full, whatever you typically eat, uh, that you could eat 20% less or 20% more than that and not really feel the difference. So if you had, if I think there have been experiments where they don't serve people on regular dishes. They serve people in these bowls that automatically refill so that the person never really knows how much they've eaten. I don't know what, what they're filling it with, maybe soup or porridge or who knows, something that you yeah. could just keep adding to without you see yourself making any right. And then they tell you when to stop. Uh-huh. And this is where they learn the stuff about the larger and smaller plates. But uh, basically what they also determined was that they could give people 20% more or 20% less, and the person wouldn't really know which one of those they had eaten. Hmm. Interesting. So that's that's a pretty strong argument for if you're interested in, say, caloric restriction, whether for weight loss, longevity, or whatever, for actually listening to some of these things. Like they say we drink way less from a I think it's a thin tall glass than from a short squatty one and I have noticed that before I knew this I learned this with beer drinking because my mom got me these half half pint glasses that were really slender and tall and I noticed that if I got a half growler which would be two 16 ounce beers from a brewery I, it would take me I, I wouldn't be able to finish that thing in a night drinking from these half little glasses hmm. and, and maybe because you go refill them less frequently which is not or you have to refill them more which which means getting up from the football game or whatever you're you're doing, uh, but anyway, I think this is fascinating that that we change our eating habits based on th- factors like how big our dishes are or what shape our dishes are. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna read that book and I'll uh, I'll let you know about how it is. Yeah, that, that's that's interesting. I uh, 
for some reason the thought of having a bowl that automatically fills up really freaks me out really? <laughs> yeah i don't know why but it's like for some reason i can just picture myself sitting in a dark room just eating and oh, no. like... <laughs> when i was a kid i used to eat cereal all day if i had a bowl of cookie crisp that just refilled itself with fruit loops <laughs> oh my god that'd be delicious yeah yeah <laughs> so anyway that's blue zones there's i mean I would highly recommend it because it's really fun to read. I just really enjoyed reading this book. It made me feel good about the way I live and made me want to do even better. Uh, and I also felt like I learned a lot. Really a lot of interesting information here. Do you think Do you think you took anything out of it that you wanted to put into action immediately? I, I wouldn't say there was anything because they do have the nine tips at the end. It's like do these nine principles. And for each one, they give you five or six different things you can do. Mm-hmm. The one I think that I took, and I just said no, but I actually don't think about it more. <laughs> there is one that I did um, or that I haven't done. I, you know what? I have done it. I've been calling my parents more frequently huh. because I am, without a doubt, uh, an introverted person, and I, I will choose my own company and no one else's over lots of people's company uh, or even one person's company often. Uh, so you should consider yourself lucky that you're here, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is not to say that I don't like people. Like, like when I go to a conference or something, like I really do a fun time hanging out with people from running groups or whatever. But just like my daily habits, I kind of tend to uh, – Mm-hmm. to keep to myself i just i don't know i just that's what i do and i realized that i can be really satisfied and happy and have myself pretty cut off from everything else so i've said no i need to i need to make an effort to have uh just be in touch with with family and friends and you know being someone who's shy it's hard to like reach out like even to call my parents i'm like someone's like eh, do they really want to talk to me right now about <laughs> whatever but then i don't know so that's something that i have done mm-hmm. but anyway uh no, yeah, I mean, it wasn't any one tip. It was just it was just a lot of really good stuff that, that kind of affirmed what uh, we're doing. I mean, both of us are doing, and, and probably most people listening to this are doing as well. But uh, very good book. Highly recommended. Cool. And like I said, you make it to 2050, and you're set. You're, you're golden. You're golden. You never die. I assume that, that that means that we've had enough advances in technology that we can not have to worry about global warming and the trash no there's all i mean that's that's an entirely different thing this is this is just i think a health considering our our current health problems Mm -hmm. uh could we get ourselves to live to be alone i mean all kinds of problems arise if you have everyone living forever you've you've, suddenly you've got to control the population reproduction becomes this precious commodity that you're not Mm -hmm. allowed to otherwise do uh it seems to me that people if people were living forever they would become extremely risk averse like if the only way you could die would be getting a car crash suddenly most people aren't going to drive anywhere i would imagine (laughs) and economically like resources and people who already have it from the beginning like it seems that money would just end up more and more in a very small people's hand amount of people's hands Mm -hmm. um you know they say like the richest people if you were to take all the money in the world and redistribute it within some amount of time it would fall right back into the same hands. so if people were living forever or even a thousand years you i think you have extreme uh disparity in between the wealthy and the poor so who knows i mean the world would probably be terrible actually you know what so, i learned this weekend what is that the united states and i'm gonna get these numbers a little bit wrong but uh spent right. somewhere around 17 billion dollars on cosmetics and on makeup and mm-hmm. you know cosmetic products uh in every single year and to feed to end wipe out hunger in the entire world costs less than 17 billion dollars per year really yeah wow yeah that's crazy and that's sad that is sad 
And seventeen billion isn't even that much. It seems like there are a lot of things that we spend like hundreds of billions. Yeah, on. I mean, like wars are trillions, right. you know, trillion dollar wars. Healthcare is not like a quarter of a trillion a year or something. I don't know, but I mean. So no mean athlete radio is where you can get facts that might not be true, by the way. Yeah. So with all our numbers, they might not be true, and you can you can take that to the bank. Yeah. All right. I think we've gone long enough. I hope I've inspired people to check out this book because I really did enjoy it. And uh, I don't know. Nothing else to say about it except what I've said. I could talk for a lot longer about this longevity thing, about living forever and machines and all that. I love that stuff. But let's not do that. Yeah. Today. We might lose people. Yeah, you're losing me a little bit too. Bad. <laughs> All right, maybe I don't want to come over here and hang out. <laughs> maybe not. All right. All right, let's wrap it up. Thanks for listening, everyone. We've got another one next. Our next episode after this is going to dovetail off of this just a little bit. We're going to talk about sitting versus standing, and my mm. new standing desk. That's right. Very cool. All right, talk to you soon. Bye bye, bye everyone.